This is the Monoology Podcast. Monroe County, Ohio. It's my home. With your hosts, Mike and Joey. All right, Mike. 18. 18. Show, 18. Show number 18, and yep. people are still listening. Yes. That's Jamie amazing. Jamie Zeger is, is listening. She, she told me, she says, I'm one of few people who listen to you. Oh, <laughs> that's what she told me. That's an amazing lady, too, by the way. So. I, I'm just Hi, amazed. Jamie. I'm just amazed that she listens to me. My wife doesn't even listen to me. <laughs> or she says, I don't listen to her. I don't know. Something like that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Did you say something? <laughs> yeah. That's oh, oh okay. Yeah. All right. So coming up here, Mike, we have um, on the 29th. Have you ever wanted to know how to enter flower arrangements to the fair? Oh, there's an event coming up to show people how to do that, isn't there? There is. So the Morrow County Extension Office is putting on at Headwaters uh, a workshop, basically, on how to enter uh, the flower show with your flowers. And that's going to be on June 29th at 6 p.m. at Headwaters. Mm -hmm. And Headwaters is located right next to the sheriff's office. So if you're on 42, turn left onto County Road 76. And just down from there is is Headwaters, and uh, that's where you'll be. But the address is actually 151 Home Road, and that's Mount Gilead. So if you've ever wanted to find out uh, more about you know entering uh, flowers into the the fair, that's your chance. I'm sure they will do a fantastic job because they have done a fantastic job with the the uh, educational sh- workshops that I've uh, taken place mm-hmm. in. So. Kudos to them there. Then, this one excites me, Mike. This is a good one right here. Morrow Little Theater. I can finally share all the details, Mike. Okay. We are doing an audition workshop for youth with a youth show this summer. So, on July 6th, from 5 to 7 p.m. at Mount Gilead High School, we're doing an audition workshop for kids. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be ages 7 to 17. They will get an opportunity to work with us, and we're going to teach them some simple stage directions. We're going to teach them a song and teach them a dance. Okay? Then, on July 7th and 8th, from 5 p.m. till finish, we are holding auditions for Little Mermaid Junior. Oh, wow. Yes. This is only going to be a five-week production. So, the actual event starts... Or the actual process starts on the 6th of July. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a fee associated with this, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But um, the fee is $30 per child or $60 per family. And we have been uh, lucky enough to get grants to cover costs for families who may not be able to um, meet that fee. Oh, that's great. Now, that fee comes with a T-shirt. For each one of the the children in the show, so if you have one, they get a shirt. If you have five, you only pay sixty maximum, or you get the grant, and then they also get a T-shirt for the show. Um, then they will get uh, they'll get the opportunity to take a, a tour basically through the theater realm that one uh, on seven six, and then on seven and eight they'll audition either one night or both, depending on how we uh, work that out. That detail still working uh, being worked out. Then they will be cast in the show for Little Mermaid Jr. and find out what role they're going to play. And then we'll take the next five weeks until August 13th and 14th. Those two dates are the show dates. 
So we're doing a 7 p.m. on Friday night, the 13th, and then a 2.30 p.m. and a 7 p.m. show uh, shows on the 14th of August. So that is going to be fun. Uh, that entire five-week cycle then, they're going to be learning the theater basics and what stage right means, stage left means, uh, upstage, downstage, center stage, you know, how to project, how to, um, you know, cheat the audience. Yes, that is something we do. We cheat the audience. <laughs> okay. um, so we're going to teach them all kinds of fun theater stuff. We are so anxious to get back into it. Um, this past weekend, we just finished up the uh, Nonsense Amen virtual production. Yes. Uh, went pretty well. Um, some some tickets sold, and the nice thing was is it was $12 per link. So you could have had 70 people watching that one link for $12. And you can watch it in your, in your pajamas. That was, a, yeah, that was you, the amazing thing. Yeah, you could have watched it at home in your pajamas. So um, I can tell you I watched it last night uh, just to um, make sure that everything went well. Uh, tech-wise, and uh, super excited about that. So lots of fun stuff happening with Mar Little Theater. And then I'm going to share in the future some more information about this, but we're doing It's a Wonderful Life this fall. Oh. Yes, let's get into the Christmas season, COVID restrictions gone with It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. So that's coming up. Uh, Then on um, July 10th, the Mar County Extension Office is having another educational tour or educational day, and that is going to be a dairy farm tour, and that is on July 10th at 10 a.m., and it's going to be at 3100 Parsons Road, Belleville, Ohio, 44813, and you need to uh, RSVP to the Mar County Extension Office, and that phone number to v- uh, RSVP is 419-947-1070 so that you can reserve your spot in that tour. And it's going to last about four hours, they said. Then the last thing in July that I have so far here is Giddy Up and Give Back. Starts at 5 p.m. at Hoof Hearted Brewery (laughs) on County Road 26 in Marengo. And it's going to be supporting the Flying Horse Farms. And it's put on by our local Howard Hanna J.C. Meyer Realtors. Um, out there at, going to your story in the future here, since we already recorded it, out of order, uh, 71. Sure. So. In that flying horse farm, we we have to get somebody from there on this show. I, they do amazing things out there. Yeah. Um, let's work on that. Okay. Let's work on that. I, um, yeah. Uh, and so that's all I have um, going forward there, Mike, is, uh, is, that's basically it. I'm not finding much else on Facebook. So if you guys know of things, please email us at marology at gmail.com. This week's Morrow County Flashback brought to you by the Morrow County Historical Society. Well, for today's history uh, portion of the podcast, we're going to talk about I-71 being built, and I'll be reading from the uh, Morrow County Sentinel's Threads of Time, which was put out back in um, 1998, so it doesn't tell me who wrote this, but uh, I will read it as written. A spokesperson for the I-71 freeway said that it would be the most modern highway in the world and that it would have a greater impact upon the people of Ohio today than the canals did in their day. The building of I-71 
has had and continues to have a great impact upon Morrow County. The North-South Freeway was reported to be upon completion, a high-standard limited-access highway of from four to two lanes wide without a single stop, stop sign or traffic light. This meant it would be possible for a motorist to go from Cincinnati to Canuit or any points in between without a single stop. The route of the pr proposed North-South Freeway through Morrow County was announced in May of 1957 by the State Highway Department. A public hearing on the proposed routing of the uh, Cincinnati Canuit Freeway through Franklin, Delaware, and Morrow Counties was held on June 14th at the Willis High School Auditorium in Delaware. Detailed maps of the proposed route were provided by the State Highway Department and highway officials explained the plans. Morrow County residents who had farms or owned property near the proposed route of the freeway had an opportunity to see the probable route at that hearing. Official adoption of the section of the route running through Morrow County was announced the Friday following the hearing in Delaware. Many Morrow County residents were among the nearly 350 people present at the hearing. No Morrow County residents spoke either in favor or against the route location in the county. Many groups from Columbus, including the Chamber of Commerce, favored the proposed route. The freeway would pass through Peru, Bennington, Harmony, Chester, Franklin, and Perry Townships in Morrow County. Total length of the divided highway in the county would be 19.8 miles, and construction costs were expected to be at about a million dollars per mile. One of the interchanges was to be around a mile south of the route at 61-229 Junction of about a mile and a half southwest of Marengo, where the freeway would cross Route 61. The other interchange was to be located at the junction of the road with uh, uh, State Route 95, about three miles west of Chesterville. It was brought out at the meeting that no commercial establishments of any kind would be allowed on the freeway, and the travelers seeking gasoline, restaurant, or motel accommodations would have to leave the freeway at the interchanges. This accented the possible development of the areas around the interchanges. Bids were open on, on the Morrow County section of the freeway on November 26, 1957. Completion date was set for August 31, 1959. Maxson Construction Company of Dayton submitted the bid of $2,852,260, the first section located in Morrow County in Peru and Bennington Townships, and in Delaware County, ended near Route 229 southwest of Marengo. Con contracts for work on the, section, on the second section of the freeway were let on December 17th. The second section was to, be, was to extend from near the Route 95 interchange northeasterly into Knox County and was to be 8.629 miles long. The length of both sections together was to make up almost half of the freeway's total of nearly 20 miles in the county. <clears throat> Bids were let on the third section on Tuesday, January 21, 1958. The low bidder of the 4.7-mile section was for three, 
submitted by Cadell Construction Company and H and FH Jose of Cleveland. The contract for the fourth section of the freeway through Morrow County was also awarded to that company with a bid of $3,399,466. With the awarding of the four contracts over the one-third of the total length of the freeway was under contract for construction. The final 4.3 miles of freeway running through Morrow County was under contract in April of 1958 when V.N. Holderman & Sons of Columbus submitted a bid of $2,399,672. This meant that all 20 miles of freeway in the county were contracted for. Morrow County was the first county in the state to have all freeway sections under contract. The first shipment of bridge steel for the new freeway arrived via NYC at Marengo in July of 1958. The steel was used by the Hosea Company on projects north of Marengo. Steel also arrived for the Maxon Company, bridges west and south of Fargo. Also in the first week of July, tremendous quantities of earth were moved to make the fills of the freeway where it passes over the north branch of the Cocosing River and the Williamsport-Westfield Road just east of Route 314 and north of Chesterville. Cement was first poured in the county on the freeway about four miles northwest of Chesterville in July. With completion of the Morrow County section nearing, New businesses began to crop up, forever changing the complexion of the county and greatly impacting existing businesses. A new Ohio station owned by Warren Gordon and Edith Carson, located west of Route 95 Interchange, was open for business in August of 1960. One of the station's first customers was bandleader Sammy Kay. After two delays, the first section of the freeway at the Route 95 interchange, originally scheduled to be completed by October of 1959, was completed July 1st of 1960. The rest of the highway running through Morrow County was completed August 31st of 1960. Well, that's kind of neat. It is, I isn't it? I recognized a couple of the names in there. Yeah. The Gordons. And, and, and those uh, intersections are still growing with businesses and uh, warehouses and things to this day. So in my, okay, so I'm 35. Okay. I've seen a huge increase in just my last 35 years from what it was barren land and maybe a gas station or two to now we've got a housing development on the north end, uh, on the south end. You know, we've seen um, the late Jack Fishburne putting mm -hmm. out, you know, uh, the Cardinal Center and the laundromat and then Karen's... Um, daycare center you know like we've seen all this growth it's just amazing it is um yeah wow and think how many people that uh, warehouse for is it uh oh yeah the family dollar family dollar dollar tree dollar tree yes. yeah i mean that's a huge that was over one million square foot it's huge yeah. i'm not sure how many they employ but it's it's a big employer in our county now I think I remember seeing it was, they were advertising something like 400 people at one point. More than likely. But uh, I-71 has definitely made a big impact on Morrow County and is still doing so to this day.
Yeah, and I can remember uh, in the early 2000s, they expanded to three lane from two lane. Right, right. And that was a huge deal um, to get that from Morrow County all the way to Columbus and then from Columbus or from Morrow County all the way up to Cleveland. Because uh, if you go south of Columbus, 71 is still two lanes once you get, is it through Pickaway or you get into Pickaway County, I think, and then all the way down. It goes two lanes and then it'll go to three lanes and then it'll go back down to two mm-hmm. lanes. Uh, and so the traffic is impacted. But, you know, Mike, we're really... We're really in a good space with the freeway being there um, and where we're located in the heart of it all. You know, we we really are in a really good location for, for growth. And what amazes me is that that freeway is the same age as me. I was born in August of that same year. <laughs> yes, but you've not been repaved and, and, and built. And I could rebuilt. use some repaving. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Mike. That was a pretty good story about 71. So, Mike, recently we had a new federal holiday added to the roster, to the calendar. Do you know what it is? Um, it has something to do with June, I believe. It is. It's Juneteenth. Now, I can honestly tell you I had no idea what Juneteenth was. Um, it has kind of a cool flag, though. It's like a red and green and black flag. I haven't seen that. It's kind of cool. I think it's uh, yellow in there, too. Um, But it has a history. And since that's kind of what we focus on, it doesn't have a direct Morrow County impact. But since it's a new federal holiday, I felt like, um, because I did some research, that there might be others who didn't know about Juneteenth. And um, this is not meant to be a political discussion. This is meant to be purely educational. So... Um, I actually pulled some information from a couple different sources on Juneteenth. I'm going to share some of those uh, with all of you today. So, Juneteenth, on uh, the eve of January 1st, 1863, Mike, do you know what happened? I believe that's when the slaves were set free. Through the Emancipation Proclamation, 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 yes. So, Lincoln... President Lincoln at the time was uh, basically had said, uh, went out and did the Emancipation Proclamation and made it effective. Boom. Uh, slaves are free under um, United States law, right? Mm-hmm. So he freed them. However, just as most communications at the time did, we weren't able to get that message out fast. It's not like today when literally you have Facebook and Twitter and and all those other apps where you can literally just broadcast everything. So what I found out was that the, um, the Juneteenth actually has a lot to do with uh, the slavery and the freedoms and, and when and how they were granted. Um, so do you know where in America Juneteenth started? And I say started because it was the last place that slaves were freed. Well, I'm going to guess it was some, obviously someplace down south. I'm going to guess Georgia or Mississippi. It was not, actually. Really? It was Texas. Texas? Texas. Yep. So Texas uh, actually um, was the last, last state to free. And it wasn't the state that freed. It was actually in Galveston, Texas. So on um, – and the reason that they – so 
1863, that's when Lincoln made the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm -hmm. On June 19th, 1865. Okay. 1865, two years later, Galveston Bay, Texas, had an influx of Union troops, nearly 2,000, come in to free the last slaves that had yet to be freed. Oh, okay. Um, and because of that, that um, they actually came in and they announced that about 250,000 of the enslaved black people left in that state were freed by executive decree. Okay, so basically they were bringing forward the information of the Emancipation Proclamation from President Lincoln. Uh, and, and he brought that information forward. And so Juneteenth is actually June 19th, 1865 is when it became known as um, Juneteenth. And um, it was known as Juneteenth by the f newly freed people in Texas. Okay. So I've pulled, um, pulled some different things here from uh, a couple different things. Um, and on January 1st, 1863... That is when the Emancipation Proclamation was issued by, by Lincoln. So nearly um, two and a half years later, that's when they were freed. And it's amazing to think that it took two and a half years to get the information. It is. And force the freedom of, of, of men uh, and, and women um, and children. Um, but this was after you know, Robert E. Lee had surrendered, um, you know, two months earlier in Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just kind of amazing to think about the whole thing here. Um, but did you know that Texas actually celebrated this Juneteenth holiday before any other state? I did not know. You know, the thing is, I didn't even know that Texas had slavery. I, I, I don't know why I didn't know that, but I was thinking like Georgia, uh, Alabama, uh, Mississippi, you know, those states, but I never thought about Texas. Yep, so some of the information that I have here um, was, like, this is from the History Channel, um, so history.com, and it's uh, Juneteenth and slavery in Texas. In Texas, slavery had continued as the state experienced no large-scale fighting or significant presence of Union troops. Many enslavers from outside the Lone Star State had moved there as they viewed it as a safe haven for slavery. So that kind of answers your question, mm -hmm. that they actually moved there so that they could keep their slaves. After the war came to a close in the spring of 1865, General Granger's arrival in Galveston that June signaled freedom for Texas's um, 250,000 enslaved people. Although emancipation didn't happen overnight for everyone, in some cases, enslavers withheld the information until after the harvest season. Oh. Celebrations broke out among the newly freed black people, and Juneteenth was born. That December, slavery in America was formally abolished with the adoption of what amendment? Pop quiz. Do, 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 do. Uh, I'm going to throw out a number. I'm not even sure. I'm going to say 13th. It is the 13th. It is? It is. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, that year following the 1865 freedmen in Texas organized the first of what became the annual celebration of Jubilee Day. And on June 9th, and that was on June 19th. Uh, in the ensuing decades, Juneteenth commemorations featured music, barbecues, prayer services, and other activities. And as uh, black people migrated from Texas to other parts of the country, the Juneteenth tradition spread. 
1979, Texas became the first state to make Juneteenth an official holiday. Several other states followed suit over the years. And as of this month in 2021, Congress passed a resolution establishing Juneteenth as a national holiday, and President Biden signed it into law on June 17th. 2021. So two days prior to the holiday, it was signed into a federal holiday. Um, I just find it, you know, pretty interesting um, that it took so long for that that news to um, free people. And if you think of, you know, the the statement that that was made by our founding fathers that all men are created equal, mm-hmm. that it has taken that long um, for that to happen, um, and you know. So I also found some some fun stuff from the uh, Congressional Research Service. Okay. That talked that has legislation. So um, about all of the the states that actually recognize the holiday. Okay. Um, I want to take a guess at when Ohio recognized, and it was uh, put into the Ohio Revised Code, five point two two four seven. When? What year? Year of recognition uh, of Juneteenth for Ohio. I'm going to say it was around 2000, 2001. It was actually 2009. Okay. Yeah. 2009 was uh, the actual um, acknowledgement in Ohio on that. Um, And, of course, I told you that Texas, it was 1980. So 1980 was the first that I could find on this list. Um, So they literally range from 2000. I'm sorry. Uh, 1980 to um, it looks like all of them pretty much have accepted it until now and I believe that vote uh, in Congress for the for the for the legislation was the only time in the last probably three years four years maybe five that Congress all voted in favor meaning all yays, no nays. Wow, okay. So I know the Senate, I believe it was voted 100 to 0. They were all in favor for. Um, so that's just a little bit of history about the Juneteenth holiday that is now a federal holiday. And um, you know, take it with what you will, but I did not know what it meant, or what, it, you know, what the story was behind it. And um, you know, sometimes it is a good thing for us to stretch ourselves and and learn a little bit more on our own and not necessarily trust um, other sources. Go find it on your own and find it in multiple places. That's what I did. What I just gave you, Mike, I compiled from about five different sources. None of them were news media. They were all um, reliable sources. You know, Cong- Congressional Library, the History Channel, um, meaning history.com, uh, and some different other uh, things. So. If you would like to contact the Morrow County Historical Society, you can contact us at morrowcohs at gmail.com. That is morrow, M-O-R-R-O-C-O-H-S at gmail.com. Or you can write us at 17 West High Street, Mount Gilead, 43338. Or you can also contact the Morrow County Historical Society on our Facebook page.